Hi, welcome to the Let's K-12 Better podcast. This podcast is a project between me, Mom of All Capes, and my kids. Hi! In our podcast, we will cover a variety of subjects involving K-12 education and family life. We will talk about the ways that parents, kids, and educators can improve K-12 education and family life. We encourage you to join our conversation on social media using the hashtag Let's K-12 Better. Let's jump into Season 2, Episode 20 of the Let's K-12 Better podcast. In this episode, we sat down with Huette Singer, founder and CEO of the Black Teacher Collaborative. All right, before we jump into this really amazing interview, I'm so excited for everyone to hear, um, you know, this just words of wisdom that Huette will share with all of us. I want to ask, you know, y'all, right? What does it mean to you to have a Black teacher? Like, what does that mean for you as a Black student? Garvey, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. So I've never had um, any black teacher before. I've only had white teachers, like an Asian teacher, and one Hispanic or Latin ex teacher. And it's just really special because I don't know, it's just really special because finally someone who looks like me is teaching the class and having authority over us. And, you know, mm. so yeah, that's why it's important because someone who find who looks like you should also be represented in the place that you live in the jobs and um yeah i really really appreciate that and i i really appreciate that you said that it's special so thank you so much all right um so naima i want to ask you right um like what does it mean for you to have a black teacher like as a black student um i think uh, I also think it's very important because you need to be able to be represented in like wherever you are like not just you're represented in this field that's fine like you need to know what your options are you need to know how you will experience this so having a black teacher for me could be like a thing that makes me want to be a teacher maybe mm. um because maybe uh even if they're treated differently or if something happens different maybe i can learn about that and so if i want to become a teacher as a black girl and a, as a black woman going forward then i know i have that option it's kind of hard to consider your options if you're not represented correctly Okay, so you're leaning into the whole, if you see it, then you can be it type of idea. Okay, I have another follow-up for you. Um, What do your non-Black peers get out of seeing and having and learning from a Black teacher? Um, They can get a diversity of different experiences because if you're just having, like, white teachers say, then you're just seeing the the what the white like the white teacher narrative or like the white teacher perspective I guess it's not that you're seeing like through their eyes it's like you're seeing how they get treated like how they be 
as opposed to like a black teacher or an Asian teacher or a Hispanic teacher or any other teacher of color. So you get to, so you get to learn a perspective from a different person. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate that. All right. So you're going to round us out, but before you do, I want to share with everyone that like the first day of school, you sat up in bed and you were like, oh my God, I want to have, or I hope I have a black teacher or at least a nice teacher. And I thought that that was really, really special. Um, So your sisters have already kind of talked about like why as a black student, having black teachers are important. I want to ask you what your peers, right? Who are not black, what do they get from having a black teacher? Um, because she's like, or he's like a leader, um, they kind of get like to see through like what it is like to be a black teacher, kind of like Naima said, but like for my, my non-black peers, because like if they never had a black teacher, then they wouldn't know what a black teacher was like or how a black teacher teacher acts Mm. so it's exposing them to people in leadership that are black because I heard you say leader and what it's like so I want to make sure I'm not putting words in your mouth okay and I have one more question right because I think this is important do black teachers have to perform blackness in order to be effective no Mm. okay all right cool what do you think I mean by that? I think you mean by that, like, they have to act it out, like, say, I'm black all the time, or act it out. Okay, all right. I thank you for that. All right, well, I'm excited. I hope you all who are listening, you know, are excited for this really wonderful um, episode with Hewitt Singer. This conversation is going to be so amazing. Make sure you have something to take notes with, um, and please enjoy the conversation. All right, we are delighted to have Huet Singer, founder and CEO of the Black Teacher Collaborative, join us today. The Black Teacher Collaborative is a nonprofit organization that believes in the genius and beauty of Black children and the unique role of Black teachers in cultivating those gifts. Love that mission. Welcome <laughs> to the podcast, Huet. Thank you. So glad to be here. Thank you. Oh my God. I'm so excited for this like conversation. I've been excited for a very long time to have this conversation with you. I'm a former black teacher. I, my mom's a a black teacher. My grandma was a black teacher. So like, Uh, yes, yes. That is awesome. That is awesome. You, you are uh, in many ways, the encapsulation of what BTC is about. I would imagine. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so let's get this party started. Um, let's start just by kind of like expanding our understanding of what the Black Teacher Collaborative is, right? Um, yeah. If I didn't know what it was or if I was unfamiliar, can you just share a bit about the organization's mission and how you accomplish your goals? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I mean, so in short, like we sort of, when I say like why we exist, we exist to advance, innovate, codify, and institutionalized excellent black education. 
um, centering on the interaction between Black children black, and Black teachers in Black schools, and then echoing out from there to the full educational ecosystem that our children, Black children, um, exist within. Um, and, and we ultimately, like when we really think about sort of what do we do, um, what we do is we try to create solutions um, to address the needs of the Black education um, ecosystem. And, and by Black education, what we mean are um, predominantly Black schools, uh, by, both by makeup of the teacher and the student population, um, recognizing that if we can master and equip and create in those spaces um, our most ideal uh, version of what Black children get in, in through their educational experience, that if we can get that right there, then it will help inform what should be, if you will, the archetype or the model um, as we look at what Black children need in other spaces that are not majority Black. Mm, okay, so you are literally doing some of the most absolute critical and necessary work, in my opinion, for Black liberation, you know, uh, I just want to say that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, I, I thank you. I thank you, one, um, for the term Black liberation, because I we are very intentional and, and like that is our language. Um, and it is this belief, uh, you know, the under sort of the underlying language there is self-determination and this mm -hmm. idea that we as a community need the opportunity to define for ourselves both the purpose of education and, if you will, the application of that purpose in, in, a, in a school system, in a public school system that is in service to us. Because however you look at it, the bulk of our children, and especially our most vulnerable children, will always be educated in, a public, in the public school system. Mm -hmm. And if that is in fact the truth, then we need to be pushing on that system to make sure that it is um, centering the needs and the interest of our children in our community. Um, and, and, and that is really where you get to this idea of Black people as a community operating in a space of self-determination to really define what we want for our children out of our public education system. Thank you so much for defining that. Um, I think there's a lot of miseducation around what Black liberation is and what that means and what that look like, looks like. Um, in many ways in the media, it's also marketed as opposing, you know, just whiteness, right? Or yeah. like, you know, like we Black <laughs> liberation can't exist alongside whiteness. So I just want to thank you for defining that um, very clearly yeah. for our listeners. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 de I definitely, I think it's, that's an interesting, um, you know, an interesting angle for people to decide, I mean, to approach the idea of Black liberation. U ultimately, like most of the people who talk about Black liberation come out of the sort of Pan-Africanist, mm -hmm. um, you know, Black power movement. And if you really look into that beyond the, the sound bites that, that whoever is giving you, um, that really looked at Black Blackness across the diaspora and looked internationally and looked abroad. So the idea that, and I think this is what you're alluding to, that like Black liberation and those terms associated with that are about isolation is, is fascinating always mm -hmm. to me because ultimately all, all of those movements were about like embedding in Black people a sense of themselves, a sense of our possibility and a sense of our history such that we can engage more wholly and more 
if you will, um, proudly in the global landscape. So it isn't an absence of whiteness. It is a, it is, I would say, um, an equalness to whiteness, um, which, which, you know, has been robbed. We've been robbed of in many ways. Yo, snapping fingers and um, <laughs> head nodding over here. So, you know, there's a long tradition, obviously, of, you know, educating and achieving Black excellence through education. You know, let's talk a little bit more about just your journey founding this Black Teacher Collaborative, which is super amazing. You know, like what inspires you to pursue the work of educational equity rooted in culturally affirming and culturally sustaining teaching practices? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. It is definitely not a straight path. Um, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. So like, I, I tell people all the time, the reality of like not having black teachers was never anything I could imagine. Mm -hmm. um, Atlanta, I'm a product of Atlanta public schools and we are by all accounts an overwhelmingly black uh, school system, both at the student and the teacher level um, and the administrator level. We've actually throughout my existence, we've always had black superintendents, like all of that. Um, and, um, and I, and, and then I went on to Hampton University where I studied history with the full intent of, um, going to do the work of civil mm. rights. Um, and, and with, with no intentionality of focusing on education, I always was focused on, um, political engagement, social and civic engagement, um, and ran the NAACP's Youth and College Division, worked for Children's Defense Fund, um, and was really focused on like the idea that um, if Black people understood what uh, the idea of democracy and the American Constitution and the structures of our country um, promised us, and if we were willing to continue the ongoing effort to challenge uh, the country to live up to those promises, then, then we could um, advance, uh, if you will, our ongoing efforts towards greater and greater liberation. And then um, at a certain point in my career, uh, took a pause, um, lost somebody, lost my grandfather who was a giant in my life and just took a pause and needed to take a break and went to an education organization that was not a Black organization. It was the first time I'd ever worked in a context that wasn't um, Black civil rights focused. Um, and um, in that space started really thinking about the power of the teacher and the idea that in many cases, teachers spend as much and in some cases more time with mm -hmm. Black children um, than with all children, than their parents. Yeah. Um, and so really thinking about, um, again, reflecting on the power of Black teachers in my life um, reflecting on specifically, I always tell the story of this really pivotal, mo pivotal moment when the Rodney King verdict came out and um, I was a junior in high school and my brother was away at college for the first time. And I was just gripped with fear and anxiety about what that verdict meant for what, how my brother was as a black man was walking in the world and like just crying and, and really struggling with that. And it was a community of black teachers at my high school, at Frederick Douglass High School in Atlanta, who helped me process that in a way that was not um, suffocating or, or defeating, uh, but in fact was empowering. Um, there's this teacher by the name of uh, Carolyn Stone Taylor who looked me in my face and said, 
as I was crying and said, you know, like, when is this going to change? She said to me, it will change because you will change it. Mm. Um, and so in this moment of having spent 15 years in civil rights, again, focused on social justice and focused on civic engagement, and then going into this education environment and, and we like, like really thinking about who my teachers were and thinking about Ms. Stone Taylor and Betty Frost and a bunch of amazing black teachers, Peggy Ross, who helped like shape in every way who I was, um, started thinking about what was happening with black teachers, what was happening in the educational system more broadly related to black children. Um, felt like there were a lot of conversations happening around education and specific to black children that were um, being had by people who had no grounding in um, the experience and the real and the lived realities of black children mm -hmm. and equally as important the experience and the lived realities of a black educational structure because again that's the uniqueness of places like Atlanta Birmingham and places like that where you have this combination of HBCUs and large black communities and then if you look across the southeast you'll see that a lot of those districts are like these black districts in the same way that Atlanta is um, but none of that, like there wasn't a real appreciation for that and understanding of that and a learning of that as, as this national dialogue around what's happening with black children was, was being um, shaped. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that conversation was overwhelmingly shaped by an analysis of, or, or, or I would say started from the point, point of where we know what great education looks like for middle-class white kids. So how do we move this other thing, this, this black educational experience closer to that? Mm. Um, and that was just for me, like, contradictory to anything I've ever wanted for black people. In yeah. All yeah. yeah. Um, and so out of that came like, how do, how do we elevate, protect, promote, continue to innovate and learn from and engage in this, um, long tradition of Black people defining for themselves um, and sometimes defining for themselves in the midst of like fear of persecution and, um, and, and, and terror, uh, but, but defining for ourselves what education would look like for our children. And, um, and out of that came Black Teacher Collaborative. I think that that's, first of all, that's really uh, amazing. Um, and then also I can say that my experience during my more formidable, formidable K-12 years, um, I was in the Dayton public school system in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and my, all of my ele early elementary school teachers were black, mm -hmm. right? In fact, because my grandmother also worked in that school system, they knew my grandmother, right? Yeah. So like, you know, so like, <laughs> That, you know, right? So they get away with anything. Absolutely not. And I can't say that I was a perfect child either. So she heard, and my parents heard immediately when I was acting up in class. And I think that there's that element there where people our age, like, have who have had the privilege of having Black teachers have this community experience. I can't say the same for my own kids. You know, they had in middle school, they had a Black teacher um, and were you know, in virtual academy right now. And they, they were so excited, not because they didn't love their white teachers, right. who did an excellent job, you know, with their work uh, of culturally sustaining practices in the classroom. But it was, you know, they were just so excited to see someone that looked like them. So I just really appreciate um, just the work that you're doing. And it kind of leads into just this next question, 
you know, that there's this rich tradition of history um, of Black educators in America, right? Like, so we can't pretend that excellent Black teachers just appeared out of thin air in the 21st century. Um, yeah. But, you know, but right now, you know, education is 80% white and, and female. So I'd like for you to just share with our listeners why we need Black teachers um, and even what you've learned so far about building pipelines and sustaining back, uh, best practices uh, within Black educators. Yeah, I mean, so one, I, there is like concrete evidence that suggests that Black children um, get additional benefits from having teachers who look like them. Um, teen pregnancy rates go down, graduation rates go up. Um, identification of gifted and talented students increase when you have a Black teacher teaching Black students. And interestingly enough, like the truth is, is that when you have across sort of all of the major, if you will, groups of people of color, um, there are increased benefits when students have teachers that look like them. But those increased benefits are more significant for Black students than, mm -hmm. um, than, than other students, although significant for everyone. Um, so, um, you know, we believe we need more Latino teachers, uh, Latino kids need to see teachers that look like them and, and who share their cultural backgrounds, like all of those things we believe to be true, but specifically with Black people. Um, it's interesting, my team just did a, um, a listing session on racial identity, and uh, one of the things that we know is students with strong racial identity, strong, strong sort of cultural grounding, cultural pride, um, uh, are able to navigate uh, the structures of white supremacy, institutional racism um, mm -hmm. with a different level of resilience. Um, Naeem Akbar talks about how Black teachers inoculate um, our students um, and give them the, if you will, both the skills and the, I would suggest like stamina um, mm -hmm. to move through that world um, and not not experience it because you can't not experience it, but to experience it and process it in a different way in the same way that I described the teacher who helped me process the Rodney King verdict. Um, there is something unique about that. I mean, the Miss Stone Taylor who taught, who who helped me through that moment had taught my brother. Uh, she she identified very closely with my mother, who was a single mother raising, you know, two kids, and all of those sort of shared, if you will, um, shared experiences. Um, if you really think about the purpose of education, because it isn't if if we assume, and I hope we all agree now that it isn't about like wrote give let me tell you these facts and let you you know recite them back to me, but if it is really about the idea of like taking um, the information that is in the world and processing it and both um, examining critically the world that is around you and in the process creating new ideas that hopefully advance your society, um, the ability of a Black teacher to help a Black student process that in all aspects. And, and because I think oftentimes we think like, well, well, that's important in English and literature. Mm -hmm. One of the projects we're working on now is an algebra one project. And what does it mean to uh, really connect algebra one in instruction um, and learning to um, African concepts and African-American concepts um, uh, such that students pick, uh, are able to, if you will, identify uh, more closely with the content and in the process, 
um, have an easier path for digesting and, if you will, uh, processing new information. And so it's it's the equivalent of um, you know learning is 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 taking what you know and taking something that you don't know and making the connections to be able to make sense of it. And what one would assume, and what is most often the case, is that a black teacher is able to make that connection more clearly simply because of, of those shared experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that's one of the one of the critical reasons. Um, but I, I also I, I just also strongly, strongly believe um, that again, I, I mean, I think culture is extraordinarily important. And mm-hmm. I think education is a tool for um, perpetuating and and um, and innovating within a within a culture, um, and I always tell people it's funny because I come from this you know clearly this very um, you know pan Africanist pan Africanist nationalist background, but I believe in the concept of America. I believe in this idea of like all of these different cultures, and and the beauty of it comes when all of those cultures are celebrated and embraced. Um, and, and, and I think black teachers have a critical role in, uh, in, in making sure that black culture is continued to be elevated and continues to thrive and continues to exist. Um, and, and black teachers ability to introduce our students to um, those parts of our culture, those parts of our history that tell our stories so that our story continues to be a part of the American fabric and not just um, you know, this glob of American um, identity that, that is void of any unique cultural aspects of, of any given group, I think is, is also something we have to consider. Um, I just, I think, I think Black teachers in, in every way, I mean, when you look at, when you look across the board at great Black thinkers and great Black, if you will, um, contributors, inevitably, they get to a, as, as they tell their story, they tell the story of somebody who either in a formal teaching role or in an informal teaching role, which is important when you talk about black education because um, we believe teaching our cultural tradition is teaching as a holistic experience, right? Knowledge is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's everywhere <laughs> and you hear the story. Um, from anybody, all from all of our greats, you hear these stories of this person who who grabbed them and who both saw their gifts, um, saw their gifts as a, a vital, if you will, asset to our ongoing um, culture and and community, and who helped them both um, develop those gifts and help them have a sense of the responsibility that they had to leverage that gift to advance our people. Um, and so I think when you think about it through that way, you have to ask the question, how could we not mm-hmm. understand the importance and make the commitment to increasing the number of Black teachers available to Black students? If I were a principal or a school board member, you know, and I'm listening and I'm like, okay, I didn't know this. And now this is my jam. I'm all about this. I have <laughs> so, totally drunk the Kool-Aid. You know, what advice would you have for them about building pipelines that support you know, not even just like welcoming in, you know, Black educators, but also keeping them there. Do you have like one or two tips? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's important. One, I think 
I, I always say tap into the HBCUs. Our HBCUs are a great resource. I think any superintendent who is serious about diversifying their teaching force, I don't care if they're located in California where there's only one or two HBCUs or if they're located in Georgia, um, they should be looking into the network of uh, HBCUs and other, and other institutions that's ha that have high concentration of African-American students. Um, and be really building in some aggressive recruiting efforts there. Um, and then I mean, and, and, and then I think um, the other key is like, you can't, no one thrives in isolation. So you mm. can't be the school leader who gets <laughs> one black teacher. I mean, when, what we know about what happens when you have black teachers, oftentimes their, their load, their responsibility is even more significant. Um, because they're having to play multiple roles within a school because they're one of two or or one of three black teachers and it's on a team of a hundred and something teachers and so any cultural problem any uh, parental engagement problem all of those things all of a sudden become the responsibility of that single teacher um, and that is just not a fair burden to ask um, and so I think you have to you know, have a deep commitment to diversifying um, your staff and recognizing that um, you need a, a community of Black teachers who um, are able to support each other um, and, and create learning experiences with each other uh, that allow them to best support the students within that school. And then finally, um, I would say um, that you know, one of the big reasons why there's any any number of ways BTC could have came up this black teacher black education issue. The reason why we decided to focus in on teacher training is because um, this fear that I have of people like saying, "Oh, we need more black teachers, so let me go grab a black person who's willing to teach and plop them in a classroom mm -hmm. um, and let them be magic because they're just magical." Um, and <laughs> this idea that we haven't tailored any training, we haven't dug into what is it that happens when you have a Black teacher in front of Black students, what are the skills, what are the moves, what are the strategies that make that relationship successful? Because all the other training we have is agnostic in, some, in, most, in many cases, and, and in the most extreme cases, is built on a model of teaching that is in many ways antagonistic and contradictory to the black teacher, black student model. So you need to, in my mind, as a school leader and especially as a district leader who's committed to uh, having black teachers not just be there, but thrive and, and having a voice and having an impact, you need to invest in training and support systems specific to that population. We'll be right back with this awesome conversation with Hewitt Singer, but we want to remind you to hit that subscribe. Hit, hit that subscribe. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Hey, listener, have you subscribed to our podcast yet? Go hit that subscribe button now. Don't forget to give us stars. Okay, now back to our awesome episode with Hewitt Singer. I'll just say, I when I was 
a teacher, I do recall feeling like I was the um, black student social worker and um, the BSU and the black student were, hangout. Like <laughs> you were the mama, you were the no. cheerleading coach, you were the dance team sponsor. Listen, listen. <laughs> you're like, oh, so many things, which leads to burnout, which also leads to our next question, because this year, I know that there are a lot of teachers, a lot of educators out here who are feeling it. Um, the events of this past year have been like, I mean, hard is an understatement, right? And specifically challenging for education, um, which means a lot of ed great educators have left the classroom, right? And, and no shade or no, you know, we don't want them to feel guilty or anything like that. Um, we want them to be loved and supported. But, you know, I just want to ask you, like, how does the impact uh, you know, or how does, how do all of those things, the impact of all of these things from last year and educators, you know, pivoting careers, you know, how does this um, influence the direction that you take your work and the support that you provide for your community of, of educators? Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, we've struggled. Um, one, because in the midst of, I mean, la last year, especially, but the truth is even this year, our teachers didn't know on a day-to-day -day basis, like, you know, what, mm -hmm. what, what day they were waking up to. Um, and I, I, again, I would say in some cases, perhaps this year is even more unstable because many of the provisions that we put in place to, to, to tackle this moment at, at, and, um, are, are no longer in place, you know, mm -hmm. we've gone back to school. We, very few, I don't know any districts that are still social distancing. There's this, you know, absurdly ridiculous conversation around mask mandates being in some way oppressive, which is just absurd. Mm -hmm. And um, you have teachers, I think, rightfully really fearful for their own safety and health um, in, in the midst of this. Um, and, and then couple that with, um, you know, a three-year period of intense uh, I would say, um, challenge to, to the sort of traditional systems of oppression or the systemic systems of oppression. Um, and so I, I think uh, for us, what we found is our teachers, I would say we, we were a respite in the midst of the storm for many mm. teachers uh, last year. Um, it was just an opportunity to come together with peers, and to talk about the importance of their role and acknowledge the weight that they were carrying. And then to the degree that we could um, give them some tools and some resources to help navigate it. But, but in all honesty, and I, I, I can't afford not to be honest about this because I think there are too many people acting like this moment isn't as significant as it is. Like mm -hmm. we weren't able to quickly pivot. We weren't able, like who was prepared for you know like what does it look like to be prepared right. for something we had never even imagined um and and so i i mean we struggled with like again our, our teachers ability just to get on another zoom call with us after having been on a zoom call all day with kids trying to re you know trying to engage them in the process of learning um and so i i think i i i'd hoped that that moment would give us as a country a greater appreciation for teachers, what they do um, and, and the challenge that they take on. And I, I think like so many of the, I think important lessons that should have come out of that period, 
I think that sometimes when you listen to the, the dialogue today, it feels like that lesson was very short lived. Mm. Um, and I, I think that's, that's, that's particularly challenging um, because one of the things that we always say about another reason why this like specific support and specific training for black teachers is so important is because they are literally in many ways going through the exact same thing as their students are going through. Um, and so as a black teacher, I am not just like, I, I mean, we used to serve, uh, we had programming in New Orleans. So you have black teachers who are sitting in New Orleans who are not only worried about their students and I guarantee you they are incredibly worried about their students in this moment, but also, um, carrying the burden of worrying about their own families and their own children. Because even across socioeconomic lines within the African-American context, there isn't that much distance in the lived experiences of our children. Um, you know, the mayor of Atlanta used to all, used to, has said a couple of times in the midst of like the civil unrest, she's talked about how much fear she has for her own son. Um, and, and I think she would, she would say that, that, that fear, um, you know, when it comes to like in, in, in his interactions with police is not significantly different than, you know, a, a low income mother in, in, in one of our more challenged, more economically challenged neighborhoods, because when you're interacting with the forces of white supremacy, they don't ask for your license and ask who your mother is. Right, <laughs> right. Right. Um, or care about how much is in your bank account or right. like so many things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, so I, I, I just think our systems have to, you know, like have to understand that and have to be conscious of that. I, I would compare it to, I, I, I say all the time, um, like one of the great, I would say advancements that the women's movement has made is corporations are becoming more and more sensitive, I would say to the unique needs um, of women in order to allow women to be successful within a given role, right? Mm -hmm. So we recognize like you can't, you can't talk about having more women in C-suites and more women in the workforce and all of that if you can't also simultaneously talk about like the need for childcare and all of those other things. I think the question for me is when we talk about having more black teachers in, in the education workforce and all of that, like what are the other things that we need to allow them to be there and to be fully particip participating and to operate from a place of, if you will, um, being able to make the greatest contribution without as many distractions as can possibly be. So um, whenever people talk about like, how do you increase the diversity of the workforce? Well, more, like one of, uh, of the teaching workforce, one of the first things you have to tackle is the cost of becoming a teacher. So we can't talk about supporting the success of Black teachers if you're a Black teacher in a classroom with, you know, a greater student loan debt than the teacher sitting next to you who's, you know, perhaps not Black um, because your family, because you're first generation college. Mm. Um, we, can't, we can't talk about how do we equip teachers to have the conversation about the social um, the social unrest that was happening over the last three years without creating a space for those teachers to have those conversations amongst themselves, process themselves, process them themselves, and then go and engage with our students. Um, 
And, and so to me, that is the question. Like if we really want a workforce um, that, is, that is in service to our children, that reflects who our children are, we have to ask the question of like, what are the resources and the supports that they need to be there, to not get burnt out um, and, and, and to grow and thrive in those careers. Um, and I don't, I, again, I, I don't think we do that. I think, like I said, we grab a, grab a black person and say, don't you want to teach him? Plop him down in the classroom and say, work magic. Mm, man. You are literally making my mind gears spin so much. Like, I'm like, oh my God. So this means that we got to have you back again to dig even further and deeper into to many of these topics. Um, you've kind of already touched upon, and we're going to skip to just, you know, reimagining education and then come back to how folks can support you and this awesome organization that you've built. But, you know, you've kind of touched upon reimagining education in your last answer, right? But is there yeah. anything else that you envision as far as the ways that we can reimagine education? Anything else you'd like to sprinkle on top of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think we really have to begin to believe that education is not for the purposes of, uh, one of my mentors, Dr. Fuller, always talks about like this, um, almost like this factory mindset of, you know, we're not making widgets. We're not mm. like every five-year-old isn't, you know, the same. Every first grader isn't the same. Um, and all of those, all of those pieces that come into the system are not just um, designed to, if you will, be an output that we have defined for them. Um, I think um, because of both the nature of how Black education has um, had to sort of happen outside of the outside of the formal structure of education. I think most often where you see excellence in Black education, you see teachers who who see every child as a unique uh, and beautiful and divine creation, mm. and is looking for opportunities uh, to really cult as we described to cultivate those gifts. And I think they're overwhelmingly um, too many structures that are designed to force our kids into a certain um, a certain archetype, a certain care, uh, categorization and things like that. And, and again, especially because overwhelmingly that design was not, didn't have black children in mind, um, that, 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 that imposition of that design becomes even more antagonistic and, and my, the language I would use is more terroristic for black children. I mean, education across the board in America needs to be improved. Mm -hmm. um, but like when you, when you are a black child within this system that is not, again, particularly designed uh, to cultivate your uniqueness um, and, and, and your, your, uh, your individual gifts, but even more so, not only is it not designed for that, but it is in fact designed void of any acknowledgement of your worth mm. or your humanity. Or to crush it, it, or to crush it. <laughs> right, or to crush it. So then it, be, it does, it becomes this terroristic force. So I think we have to um, rethink um, like what we, what is the purpose of education and there, and then back engineer from that, then what do the learning experiences that our children have on a daily basis 
um, look like. And again, it, what it doesn't look like is everybody at, at five years old should fit this profile, should, you know, be able to check off all these boxes. Um, and if they can't, they either are identified as, you know, potentially being developmentally um, delayed or, or, or some, you know, some version of that, or, um, or, or we just don't have a way to really service them. So we, you know, oftentimes over punish or over discipline them to make them fit our system. So I really, I mean, there are some people doing some really amazing things um, uh, around um, creating, especially in the early stages, smaller classrooms, creating more opportunities for teachers to engage directly with students in a way that is more, more in depth and that allows them to really think about who their child is. There's some great things happening in individualized learning. Um, there was just a report on homeschooling. And while I, you know, while I still strongly believe in a, a strong public school system, I think, and I think we need to continue to push for that. Mm. Um, I think even when you look at what's happening with the trend with homeschooling is people wanting to create learning experiences that really, that really speak to their individual child versus this wholesale model um, that, 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 you know, quickly determines whether or not my child is performing at level or below grade level, and then, you know, defines the rest of their path by that given moment. So I just think we have to have a more agile and responsive system that, that really looks at the uniqueness of the uniqueness of each child. And, and if you're going to do that, you first and foremost have to acknowledge the humanity and the, and, and the worth of each child um, and, and, and then go from there. Absolutely beautiful. Um, so, oh my God. So I'm going to mix in um, just what people can do to support, right? So we have a range of listeners. We have parents, we have educators, we have students, we have people of a wide variety of backgrounds. So I would love for folks to have some marching orders because I just think you are super dope. I think your work is super dope. Um, so if you could just kind of bucket, like what can parents and uh, educators do to support the Black Teacher Collaborative. And this, you know, you can even break it down like, here's what Black parents can do. Here's what non-Black people of color can do. Here's what white people can do, right? Just so that folks know, like, I'm talking to you. This is what I want you to do. How, you know, how can folks support your work? Yeah, I, I mean, no, no, across the board, this, uh, <laughs> I would say one, I think, um, you know, ultimately what BTC wants is for Black children to thrive. So um, I, I think creating, um, opening yourself up, I would say, and I think this is especially for Black parents, um, but, but for all people, I think opening yourself up to a more expansive idea of what is possible for Black children, um, mm. I think it, in all honesty, is is the greatest um, contribution that anybody can make to us. Because if if is a, if as a country, if as a people, black people, we began to think of um, what is possible for our students, and therefore, and what needs to be in place for our students in a different way, then there will be a greater push and a greater conversation around this idea of education being a tool for liberation for black children. 
Um, and then I would say like concretely, of course, I mean, we're a nonprofit. I'm a, I'm a social entrepreneur who is a woman of color and you can Google that and all you'll talk, all you'll see is all kinds of reports about how we are um, oftentimes funded at smaller levels, get fewer opportunities and all of that. So go to our website, make a contribution, no matter mm-hmm. how big or small, we appreciate it. We're blackteachercollaborative.org. And then um, I would say, um, begin to ask the question around, not just how many black teachers do you have, but um, what kinds of services and supports and what kinds of opportunities to shape what is happening in the school are are black teachers having? Um, Because again, you can have a black person, a black teacher in a school, but if if they are one of only, you know, if it's only one of a hundred, the question becomes like, what kind of power or voice do they have to shape what's happening in that school? Um, I think about some of our peer organizations as a brother who runs an organization called Black Genius, who has some incredible parent tools that I think um, parents can use to help um, push schools conversations around what is necessary for Black children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that to me is the, is the, is the biggest question um, or is the biggest opportunity is um, as we engage in the conversation around education, um, I think being bold enough and willing to, to, to state um, that there's the broad conversation around education and then there is the conversation specifically for what is needed for black children in the same way that I believe that there's a unique conversation for um, native communities and, and things like that. And being able to ask the tough questions of administrators so that they're having to um, grapple with this question of how are we both increasing the diversity of our teaching force, but equally as important, what are we doing with that diversity, both to maintain it and to empower it to really shape what is happening in our schools? You what? Oh my God. I am just like, I love you. I think you're amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I love everything that you've shared here with our (laughs) listeners. Um, We're going to make sure that we link the site. We're going to make sure we link all the social and anything else that you want linked um, in the show notes. Everyone check that out. Um, Is there anything before we close? Is there anything else that you'd like to just say or have you said it all with the exclamation point? (laughs) No, I mean, I, I just it's I just think especially specifically talking to black parents, I would just challenge us to really think about Um, education is more than just um, the grades and the access to, you know, college and things like that. Education is truly a holistic experience. And I think, unfortunately, Black children, Black parents um, are having to make some really, really tough decisions. You know, do I give my child a culturally affirming learning experience or do I give them a, you know, um, one that is recognized as highly rigorous and highly reputable. Um, and and I, I think we have, to, we have to have a more nuanced conversation about that and begin to really think about how we bring those two ideas together um, to create experiences for Black children that we want. Um, and I, I just, I'm particularly interested in, in pushing uh, our community 
uh, to grapple with that a little more and think about how we have the solutions uh, within our own within our own midst and 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 what it takes to to put some of those solutions on the table and advance them. Beautifully said. Love to see it. Tiwet, thank you so so very much. Thank you. One of the most important takeaways from our conversation with Huet Singer is that there are increased benefits for all students, but specifically black students when there is a black teacher in the classroom. Strong cultural pride is an important part of preparing a student to navigate systemic racism and even processing racist events. We must support programs and pipelines that bring more diversity to the teaching profession in an authentic way. If you enjoyed this conversation and you want to learn more, we encourage you to check out the Black Teacher Collaborative and follow their work on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We've linked all of the social media accounts and the website in the show notes. If you have any cool epiphanies you'd like to share, please leave them in the comments or share with us on social media. Each episode, we will share quotes that we find inspirational. All right, we're going to switch up the quote section. I think for the last two seasons, we've highlighted other people's inspirational quotes, but now we are going to leave each and every one of you guys with something to think about from each of us. So either from this episode or from something that's happened this week or just life in general, what is something that you want our listeners to take with them until we meet again? When you take the time and put in the effort, you can do great things. It's important to have diversity across the board, but it's especially important when it comes to the people who are teaching us. I couldn't think of anything, so I pulled this off the internet. Don't stop when you're tired, stop when you're done. A bit of encouragement that I would like to leave you, listener, with is that I acknowledge that it's really hard out here. Um, It is not easy, whether you are a parent, whether you are an educator, a student, an administrator, um, whatever, right? It, these are challenging times, but people have met every challenging moment in history through the building of communities that solve problems together. And the more diverse the community is, diversity of thought, diversity of experience, uh, diversity of culture, the better the solution is. So I encourage each and every one of you to collaborate in building diverse communities of problem solvers. Thank you for listening to the Less K-12 Better podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. We want to hear from you. Connect with us on social media at Let's K-12 Better on all social media platforms or connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, and Clubhouse at Mom of All Capes. We've got a newsletter with awesome resources and tools for families and educators. The link is in the show notes, so please sign up. The Let's K-12 Better podcast is available on every podcasting platform. So if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review our podcast. Your feedback helps us grow. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.